the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Third and final hour, time flying by on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. News Talk 710-KNUS. couple things to do in this segment. We'll be joined next segment by R. Emmett Tyrell Jr., author of the memoir, How Do We Get Out of Here? He is the founder and editor and publisher of the American Spectator, conservative publication founded in, I believe, 1967. We'll talk about conservatives versus liberals and the future. I want to go and wrap up this discussion we had in the last hour with Aaron Kane, superintendent of Douglas County Schools, on 5A and 5B. I mentioned in the hour that I am going to be voting. I'm a new Douglas County resident as of a couple of months ago, and I will be voting yes on 5A and 5B. And let me tell you, to be clear... I have never voted for a tax increase ever. I have been presented with Cherry Creek School District tax increases, increase proposals, and every year I have voted them down. In this case, I think there's a difference. Conservatives have boxes that we want checked. We don't want administrative bloat. Douglas County is quite lean. In that regard. And notice, notably so, I think it is something on the order of, you know, uh, $63 or $63 million for the, uh, the cost of, uh, the cost of administration compared to significantly more like 138 Denver and 100 something for Douglas County or excuse me for Cherry Creek schools. I'm going to check this, uh, the specific. Yes, I'm right here. Uh, actually, I'm lowballing it. I'm lowballing it and I don't have Cherry Creek's numbers here. Um, $63 for Douglas County. Littleton Public Schools, $149 for uh, administration. And uh, Denver, oh, this is spending per student. So I'm off in millions of dollars land. Let me be clear on what I am talking about for administrative costs, spending per student. $63 Douglas County compared to $149 in Littleton and $189 in Denver Public Schools. That data according to the Colorado Department of Education. That is one box that is checked. And also, as we go to the phones at 303-696-1971, that is just one piece because you also have the need. I mean, look, if you were able to make almost $20,000 more at your nearest competitor and it has a grand reputation like Cherry Creek Schools, wouldn't you do that? That's exactly the problem. We heard a real-world example from Aaron Kane in the last hour, that's exactly the problem that Doug Coe is up against. And that is because of the money that is available. Cherry Creek, for example, has maxed out pretty much the mill levies that they're able to provide. $2,000 more per student that they bring in than Douglas County brings in in terms of their mill levies. That's the money above 
the basic amount that they get through the each school district gets through the School Finance Act. That's a pretty big deal. 303-696-1971. Let's go to Joe in Littleton. Good morning, Joe. Hey, Jimmy. Um, a couple things. Um, number one, when people say, well, it's only $16 a month more. Well, you have to understand that it's not just that that's been $16 a month more. It's been food. It's been gas. It's been insurance because all insurances have gone up. So it's not just $16 more a month. Number two. It is $16 more a month for somebody who has a million-dollar valuation no, on no. their home when it no, comes to the property why, tax payment. Let me tell you why. Because those homes that are a million dollars right now won't be a million dollars later on. They were just evaluated at a high point. Sure. Okay. It's, except it's a fixed dollar amount that we're talking about in the county. And as more people move in, okay. that's spread around more. We but were we were hearing that from... In so it's going to be consistent. Can support these schools when these teachers are with unions that are saying it's okay to uh, push this gender stuff and it's okay I, I, I can't I couldn't do it I couldn't let's let's talk Joe uh, for a moment it. about teachers unions in Douglas County they have no more than 20 percent probably less of their teachers are in the union they don't have a collective bargaining agreement and uh, they're basically powerless and neutered in Douglas County schools, especially with this school board majority that they have, which will hopefully be amplified. And we're going to have on the Douglas County School Board, the conservative candidates coming up soon, uh, that, that you look at Douglas County and you have a school board majority that is antithetical to that, approaching it with the right mission. And I think somebody with Aaron Kane's background, especially as a charter school administrator, as long as she was was who understands how education should be in a district. So I don't think you have those issues in Douglas County, Joe, with the union. Well, I hope not. I mean, that would be a blessing. That would be an enlightenment, actually. But I just think right now is really a poor time. I mean, well, it certainly is a poor time as far as the the timing. I have a $700,000 home and I can barely make it. I mean, it's it's like everything is well. And here's the thing, Joe. That's a that's a thing for voters in Douglas County to factor in and decide. It is always when you're talking about something like this, it is always about weighing the issues. And I and I have to tell you that when we're looking at Douglas County being the way that it is, conservatives, Joe, we always say we want the outcomes. Look at Denver Public Schools and the dismal outcomes that they are having where 70 to to 60 to 70 percent of their students are not proficient in math and and, and uh, hold on, let me finish, please. In, in math and English, that is right. staggering. When you go into Douglas County, they are seventh in the state when it comes to the test scoring. They are the best in the Denver metro area, dramatically beating out Cherry Creek schools. I believe the tenth is Littleton. Cherry Creek has dramatically declined. They are dedicated to excuses, no longer dedicated to excellence. Let's be clear about that. But when you look at Douglas County, they are performing. They are also lean and mean when it comes to the administration and they are not competitive when it comes to teacher pay those are three boxes that i think are critical yeah i totally agree with that but jimmy you have to take into account those children come from schools with highly educated parents parents who probably during that covid really made sure they learned it so when they came back they had it those kids come from highly educated parents as well as very involved but but joe 
Those parents have decided. Those parents. No, 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 no. You can't. Actually, you you can compare it to other school districts as far as demonstrating performance. When you you have parents that aren't involved. I taught for years, Jimmy, in school. I recall. Parents weren't involved. I recall. They were not involved. And it, it, I did everything I could to get those kids to where they needed to be that next year. But it took everything. I mean, my kids didn't even know vocabulary words. But, Joe, I agree with that point, that it makes a big difference to have parental involvement. But Aaron gave a an example of a teacher who had accepted a job offer in yeah, Duck Co. and then withdrew that job offer right. because she could make substantially more. And we are talking about the average pay, as she said, in Douglas County Schools is $58,000. In Cherry Creek schools, that is the starting pay. So why right. would you do that? And Cherry Creek schools and well, Littleton schools. Wait, 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 Joe, Joe, Joe. Let me finish Jimmy. the point. Cherry Creek schools and Littleton schools both have heavily involved parents in those communities yes, as well, do. and they That's pay right. dramatically more. So why would a teacher go compare apples to apples sort of comparison as far as parental engagement? Why would they choose Douglas County with engaged parents over? Cherry Creek and Littleton with engaged parents when the pay is maybe $20,000 more in Cherry Creek and Littleton. What, what's the crime rate now and around uh, the Cherry Creek schools? Well, it depends it's, on it's, what it's, areas you're talking about. If you go to more Aurora, there are parts of the district where there's, where there's more crime for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And so you can factor those things in, of course. But if you have to drive past, let's say in order to afford a home, um, you have to drive past three Cherry Creek schools to get into Douglas County, which some teachers do. You're driving past three schools you could be working at, so you could go get paid less in Douglas County where you can't afford to live. I understand to, to your live. argument, but I just don't believe this is the time to do it, and I understand that. And that's fair. That's just, I don't think they're, they're going to get it because I think Douglas, I don't know, they may. But I just think right now it's really a hardship for people. Well, what this comes down to, Joe, is it is probably the worst time that you could have for a PR pitch that you're trying to make to sell this. Yeah. You're not going to be able to, to sell it easily in this environment. I, I totally so. agree with you. Uh, but I look well, at the calculus, and I think, uh, from my perspective, and i got to run, but I always appreciate your calls well, bless you. You and your care. perspective. Thank you, Joe. Uh-huh. Um, I, I would say that when I look at all the boxes that I feel need to be checked for the mill levy override as well as for the bond, I think these boxes are checked. And when we look at the bond, look, I mean, there's a point that a listener raised. And they and I think it's it's a very valid one. I'm looking for it here. Oh, where was it? They were asking about charter schools and why not just go ahead and let charter schools fill in the gaps for those areas down in the southern part of Douglas County that don't have schools. And by the way, I'm a big charter school advocate, but my goal when it comes to school choice is not charter schools my goal is choice and in douglas county i was checking the percentages 75 percent of families go to traditional public schools neighborhood schools whatever term you want to call them and 25 percent to the charter schools and most of the charter schools don't have extensive wait lists in douglas county schools unlike some other counties like for example jefferson county schools by the way the fact that they have 25 percent in charter schools is really good 
in terms of demonstrating opportunities for choice. But there are people like my sister and her husband who want a regular neighborhood school for their future kids. And their kids would have to drive in a bus, ride in a bus across a highway. When you look at the differences between neighborhood schools, traditional public schools, and the schools that are we call charter schools, there also is the case that traditional schools are designed as more catch-all. That doesn't mean that they're better. By no means does it mean that they are better, per se. But it means that they are designed with a broader scope of people in mind. Whereas if you go to charter schools, they're more niche. So my girlfriend's son just moved to a charter school this year from a traditional public school, both in Douglas County. And you can look at the differences in like requiring dress codes and having maybe a classical education and other things that you might think are wonderful. And I do. I encourage that choice. And they're wonderful if you want that for your kid. But why shouldn't a parent be able to send their kid to a neighborhood school or a traditional public school if that's what they choose and one that doesn't require their kid to take a bus across a highway? And by the way, there's a massive bus driver shortage that that tax increase would help to fill. They are over 100 bus drivers short. And now every four, you got four weeks on with buses and then you got to go a week off as a parent. That's a pain in the rear end can't just write that off and the only way to get more bus drivers is if you pay them more and the only way to pay bus drivers more is if you have that for a million dollar home $16 a month increase but then you look at the bond and the construction of new schools look again I'm a huge advocate for charter schools it's a wonderful choice but you have if you genuinely mean school choice and we have a system today that has traditional public schools You need to offer that option as well, and reasonably so. Otherwise, you are not just for school choice. You are pro-charters. That's fine, but real school choice means all the options. One of the things, for example, that I love about Parents Challenge based in Colorado Springs in El Paso County, they're a nonprofit organization founded by my good friend Steve Shuck, and his late wife, Joyce. And they provide scholarships for parents who choose any option they want for their kids. It can be a traditional public school where they're struggling to find transportation costs, to have after-school programs, to have tutoring, whatever it is, they'll help. Or if they want to go to a charter school, they'll help make that possible. Or if they want to go to a private school, they'll help make that possible. We should allow maximum choice and opportunities, and that means providing a chance for neighborhood schools. Listener text that comes in uh, saying, Douglas County School District has also not approved overrides and bonds in a while. Yes. It was 20, was it 2018 or so that they last passed them? And that makes a big difference. Why is it that years ago schools seemingly had sufficient funding and now they don't? Stephen Littleton. Uh, I think when you look at schools, there are a variety of different issues, and that's a complicated discussion to go into. 
Uh, I think that most schools, school districts actually do have sufficient funding, and it's how they allocate it. In Douglas County, it's clearly different. Otherwise, they would be easily able to pay their teachers more compared to competing, competing districts nearby. It, it just comes down to math. When you have more money available, like, say, $2,000 more compared to Douglas County, you're able to pay your teachers more, $2,000 per, per student. You're able to pay your teachers more. If you don't, you're not going to be able to pay them more. If you don't have the bond money to fund new school construction, you're not going to get a new school. And if you want Douglas County to continue to be an attractive place for businesses, for economic growth and opportunity, you damn well better have good quality schools. It's a terrible time, I agree with Joe, to be pushing 5A and 5B. But sometimes it's necessary. That's why you have four conservative members of a school board who are supporting this, who voted to put it on the ballot. That's why I, somebody who's never voted for a tax increase, now a Douglas County voter, am going to be saying, you know what, this is appropriate because of the time that we're in as far as, uh, or the, the moment that we're in with the competitive situation as it is, the lean and mean administrative costs, like, there has never been a a better case for a tax increase for which there's almost never a good case for a tax increase. I, I That's where I come down. And you are more than free to disagree, especially if you're Douglas County. You have your vote. I'm just saying why mine is the way that it is. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger. When we come back, we will talk with R. Emmett Tyrell as we continue on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show a News Talk 710 KNUS. Little Tommy Castro with that fiery git fiddle right there. You know, he's coming to Colorado in a couple weeks doing a slew of stops from Colorado Springs to Denver to Greeley to Boulder. All over the place, starting on the 12th. Hopefully, we will have him on next Saturday's show. But he's warning us, be careful with the fool, because someday he just might get smart. Welcome back to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Best damn bumper music known to man 10 years running on News Talk 710-KNUS. And when you talk about years running... It's always incredible to think about the longevity of something you create, especially in the media space. In our case, on this program, it's been 10 years of the Jimmy Sangenberger show as of last week, two weeks ago. And we appreciate you being along for the ride all these years. Well, then you have publications that have been around for a very long time, including... The American Spectator, which I believe was founded back in 1967, if I recall correctly, by our next guest and final guest this morning on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, R. Emmett Tyrell Jr. founded the American Spectator. He is still the publisher and editor, and he's author of the new book, a memoir entitled, How Do We Get Out of Here? Half a Century of Laughter and Mayhem at the American Spectator from Bobby Kennedy to Donald J. Trump. And Bob joins us now. Good morning, sir. Welcome to the program. 
Good to be with you. It's really great to have you. I appreciate so much you taking the time this morning. Uh, was I right? Is it 1967 that you founded The Spectator? Yes, that's right. 19. We we will get back on our uh, Emmett Tyrell, and we just had the confirmation. The American Spectator was indeed founded in 1967. And it, a unique publication in its own right. And now you can check it out, AmericanSpectator.com. I believe it's focused online these days. And we do have Bob back on the program. Bob, go go ahead, sir. Thank you. It's great to be with you. And what questions do you want me to ask? Oh, okay. Well, so it was it was basically the the founding of the American Spectator set the scene for us for a moment in 1967. I mean, to found a conservative publication then and one that has stood the test of time. Here we are today. Well, that's right. And uh, the, the Spectator has been around for 50, 55 years, and we've had a great uh, a great run and a lot of fun. Uh, you might wonder how, how did I come up with this title? How do we win, how do we get out of here? Well, Bob Kennedy gave it to me. Bob Kennedy gave it to me back in 1968 when he was on stage with me, or I was on stage with him, and he turned around and and I was the only person on stage with him. He turned around and he said, how do we get out of here? And so I took him, I said, this way, sir. I wasn't going to pass an opportunity up like that. And I said, I took him to a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right, a little bit to the left. And finally, I found his car at the bottom of the auditorium steps. And I took I took my, uh, I took him down to the car and I he put out his hand to shake my hand. And I reached into my pocket and pulled out a Reagan for president button. And I handed it to him. <laughs> and what did he say? He, he, laughed, he laughed about as heartily as you did. And I laughed, too. And a month later, he was in a similar situation. And the son of a bitch got him dead. Mm. Uh, that man should stay in prison for the rest of his life. Bobby Kennedy, let me ask you about him for a moment, Bob. When we look at his positions and where he was back in the 60s, do you think he would fit in the Democratic Party today? No, absolutely not. Nor would his, his brother. And by the way, his his son, Bobby Jr., doesn't fit in there very well either. I'm no. told he's going to, go, go, uh, he's going to run an de- independence race starting October 9th, and I think that is probably pretty accurate. Yeah, I, I saw mean, imagine, that. He... Imagine this. They won't give him, the White House won't give him Secret Service protection. That's shocking. If, imagine what will happen if he's shot dead. What will they? The, what will Joe say about, Joe Biden say about that? God forbid that would happen. Uh, well, when you say, just real quick, that Bobby Kennedy wouldn't fit in the Democratic Party today, why is that, if you could encapsulate it? Well, he, he it's because of what he, his positions were. I mean, he, uh, half of his positions were conservative. 
The other half, and, and by the way, the New York Times remarked on it back in 68, and uh, other papers did too. Uh, he was he was a, a small government person in a lot of areas, and and he was proud of that. And he w- he wouldn't imagine that people were fooling around with their gender and things like that. He would never imagine it, nor would his brother. Hmm. No, no, I I have no doubt that that's true. The author of the book, How Do We Get Out of Here? Half a Century of Laughter and Mayhem at the American Spectator from Bobby Kennedy to Donald J. Trump, R. Emmett Tyrell Jr., our guest. I want to ask you, in your book, you talk a lot about the presidents that you counseled, that you engaged with. I think there are something on the order of six, most preeminently uh, Ronald Reagan. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about that, because at this moment, we are at, I think, an inflection point for the conservative movement. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about your experience engaging with past presidents uh, like these six and what lessons from that you could take away that conservatives should should have right now and be implementing in this moment? Well, uh, Ronald Reagan was the the greatest of the presidents of the post-war period, and I was very close to him. Uh, He wanted, he had four things he wanted to do. He accomplished the first three, he lowered taxes and ended the Cold War. Uh, but he didn't get the the, the fourth plan, plan projection of him to to lower the to increase the value of the culture by lowering the level of of uh, of swill in the country in the uh, in the bur- in the uh, in the culture of the country. And he asked me to help him with that, and I helped him with that so much so that he invited that I when I invited him to dinner in my house the last year of his presidency, he came. He came along with 250 bodyguards. Wow! Don't don't ask the president to dinner if you have if there's any likelihood they'll have come, because he came and we had a great time. And I've written about that in, in the book. I've written about my engagement with six presidents, and one one of the seventh president uh, was Boris Yeltsin. <laughs> of course, he was the president of Russia, and don't we all wish he were the president of Russia? Yeah. Now? Uh, they, said drank, they said he drank too much, but you know, uh, he might have drunk too much, but that's just because he couldn't get enough of the stuff. Ah, uh, yeah, well... <laughs> I mean, Russia, right? Uh, we have R. Emmett Tyrell, our guest. I, I do want to ask you, uh, didn't you crash Bill Clinton's 60th birthday party as well? Uh, yes, and there's a picture of me there in the uh, back of the book. Uh, yes, I, and the only thing I have against having a picture of me with Bill Clinton is that he's about a foot taller than me. <laughs> and I don't, it doesn't look very good, but he's standing under him. Uh, just, just real quick, regale us, if you would, with that story of crashing a birthday party, Bill Clinton's birthday party, at in Toronto, of all places. Well, I was with a, a, a woman who was a friend of his. Of course, so many women were. <laughs> and, and she brought me in, and uh, we stood in line, and she was a, a major donor to Bill, and so 
when I when when he asked when he asked her up, he didn't realize that she was with me. And we stood there together for a few seconds, and he called us up, and he took her and, and into his confidence, and then he turned to me, and I said, well, "Hi, Mr. President." Uh, and uh, unfortunately, he remembered who I was, and it was a rather uncomfortable experience. <laughs> I, I bet it was. Now, I, I want to ask you, from your many decades in the conservative movement and in conservative media, we've seen the battles play out between conservatives and liberals. How do you view the moment that we are in right now in 2023 with this impending 2024 election? We see Republicans debating on stage, minus the front runner in the presidential race on the Republican side. And the Democrat side, you see them clear in the way, just so you have bumbling Joe Biden able to continue uh, in running for president and from their perspective getting reelected. And you've got all these issues that are going on in the culture. You alluded to some of the things that Bobby Kennedy would be just aghast at today. How do you view this moment in the context of the past, say, 55 years of history of conservatives versus liberals? Well, it's it's the most ghastly moment in the history of recent years. And um, Bill Bill Clinton almost looks like a genius compared to these people today. Not that they're bad candidates. I think everybody on that uh, uh, podium last night, the other, the other night, could be a better president than Biden. And I think we'll get a chance to have one of them in there. And I think even Bill, uh, even uh, Donald Trump can do a better, far better job. I mean, Donald Trump, I was favored, I favored Donald Trump in his election. And he was a very good candidate. He had a very good record as a president. But the problem that he had was time and again, people would take a swing at him and he'd swing back. That was a mistake. He should have ignored those people. They were they were pygmies and he should have paid no attention to him. He should have run the race as he wanted to. And I think he would have done much better. He may be president again. If you were to give, we're just about out of time here, sir. Uh, If we were to give a piece of advice to conservative media today, given sort of the environment, some of the things that you were just mentioning, on how to be effective today, from your experience with the American Spectator for 55 years or so, uh, what advice would you give? What do you think the conservative movement via the media, and there's a much greater media infrastructure than we've ever had for the right when you bring in the online space, and of course you've got talk radio, you've got Fox News and Newsmax, for example. What do you you look at and say, okay, this is something that conservative media needs to do to be effective today? I think that they should enunciate the policies that they believe in, and they should fight for those policies, and they should ignore the left. I don't think that the left has landed a glove on anyone except Donald Trump, except Donald Trump and, and him. That he, they spent too much time attacking uh, they actually only made him more famous. Yeah, isn't that something? All the swipes that they would take 
And it's sort of like that Teflon Don uh, perspective here. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time. The book is, and it's a fascinating memoir, How Do We Get Out of Here? Half a Century of Laughter and Mayhem at the American Spectator from Bobby Kennedy to Donald J. Trump, the author R. Emmett Tyrell Jr. Sir, thanks so much for coming on. We'll have to have you back again down the line. Good to be with you. Thank you so much, Bob. Once again, the book, How Do We Get Out of Here? A title given to him, essentially given to him by Bobby Kennedy back in 1968, a month before he would be assassinated. Wow. Fascinating stories. So many in this book. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I got to tee up some shady business going on in Denver Public Schools, a follow-up from last week that you have to hear as we continue on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. News Talk 710 KNUS. Rabbit, I'm a winding down. Jimmy Sangenberger here with you. Peter Boyle's warming up in a bullpen. Nine to noon. News Talk 710 KNUS. Let's get back to education here. This is a story I've been wanting to get to all show, but we haven't had the opportunity. Uh, You will recall that last week I spoke about Denver Public Schools and something that I had uncovered embedded in a transactions document for the Board of Education in Denver, where they had grouped together the different expenses for individual board members. And they have a board budget that historically has been in place of $5,000 per board member. It's unofficial, informal, but it's been the case. And none other than Tay Anderson, the vice president of the board, went $13,000 plus over budget, including $1,600 on private screenings so that he could help people come and see, uh, what, the Little Mermaid live action movie? And... Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, literally spent $1,600 in taxpayer money to have private screenings at that theater in North, in uh, Northfield, up in Northwest Denver. Uh, okay. He also spent fourteen grand on trips, supposedly for conferences. And this week in the Denver Post, They reported a quote from Anderson on these expenses. And I reported on this a few weeks back. And, of course, it takes a week and a half for the uh, the others in the media to catch up on what I was reporting on. And they went ahead and publicly said uh, or got Tay Anderson quoted on the record as saying, well, the only reason that I went thirteen thousand dollars over budget is because Scott Esserman, the board treasurer, got rid of the five thousand dollar maximum budget somehow unofficially, without any other board members knowing, Esserman got rid of it, and then Tay Anderson took advantage of it and spent $13,000 because his buddy said, oh, you can spend whatever you want. Nonsense. Well, I noticed another piece in these transactions that's not listed under Tay Anderson's board member expenditures. His was $18,000 plus. Well, then under overall expenses for the board, there's this line item from March for $3,500, a $3,500 payment to Ayante Anderson that says in the description, settlement payment for agreement 10-22-22. And I saw this and I said, what in the world is this? $3,500 
that is not included under his board member expenses, supposedly for a settlement payment to Tay Anderson. And then I had some sourcing that was pointing to it and saying, this is a payment for Tay Anderson's lawyers. Because remember, in 2021, he had an investigation from the district. An investigation from the district into allegations of impropriety by Anderson, which did find, by the way, enough evidence for his colleagues on the board to vote to censure him in September 2021, finding that he coercively attempted to date multiple underage teenage girls using social media, and also that he had intimidated witnesses on at least two occasions during the investigation. Those are just a few of the findings of this report where the board member said this is unbecoming behavior. We are censoring Tay Anderson. And I had heard that he got this $3,500 payment from the school district to pay his lawyer back or to pay to reimburse him for lawyer payments, which is exactly what we learned this week happened. So the Denver Public Schools, when I put in a Open Records Act request, gave me the public records runaround where they said it's going to take us 10 and a half hours of staff time to look into this and get you the documents you requested. $319.01 was the estimate they gave me. So I wrote about this recently and said this is absurd, and I put in the day that they denied my request, I believe it was, I put in a separate request, maybe it was the day later, I put in a, they didn't deny my request, they said we're going to charge you a lot of money. I put in a separate request saying I just want the settlement agreement and I want the invoice related to it, any invoices related to it. And then finally on Wednesday I was denied in my request. They finally got back to me. But the next day, and they said there was an exemption. Supposedly it was personnel files, which is absolute nonsense and doesn't fit under the law. Well, then the next day on Thursday, Chalkbeat reports that they got the invoice that I was denied. And I have the invoice in front of me because I sent an email yesterday and I got the invoice. And there was a $3,500 payment that Tay Anderson made in April of 2021 to his lawyers at Decker and Jones. For Christopher Decker is attorney for that ILG investigation. And that is exactly what this payment was for, was to reimburse Tay Anderson in March of this year, almost two years later, for lawyer payments for an investigation that he was found worthy of censure by his colleagues, and they gave him $3,500 payment Because he paid his lawyer $3,500. And guess what? They won't give the settlement agreement up. So we have no idea what the heck the terms of that agreement were and why they provided it, this money, to Tay Anderson. There's more that I wish I could get into. I'll have it in my column for the Denver Gazette on Tuesday. Peter Boyle's up next with the first on-air interview with DMAC, no longer on the air in Denver. Sports Talk Radio. What in the world is going on there? He'll be on at 10 in the morning today. Peter Boyle's show, 9 to noon. It'll be a great program. Coming up, we'll be back next Saturday. Tune in then for the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. News Talk 710 KNUS. God bless America. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 